This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hit! Browns are going to win! Mayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. Cleveland Browns. Well, I think it's recording. Yeah, there it goes. Okay. <clears throat> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Cover 2 podcast. This is Dan Kadar of the Beacon Journal, joined by Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich. Nate, how's it going today? Good, Dan. How are you? I'm very good. We're off a very entertaining Browns game against the Dallas Cowboys. I never know whether or not you call these, you know, big, huge 49 to 38 shootouts good, but it was entertaining. So the Browns are now at three and one on the season, and that means we are at the quarter point. So we're going to go over that today on the podcast where the Browns stand through four games of the season. Like I said, they're three and one now. There are, there are some interesting things going on on the team. For instance, we got more points than they're scoring, but you know. So we're we're going to talk about some some general quarter point things, and then we're going to look ahead to Sunday's game against the Colts. That game is in Cleveland. It's at 4:25. It should be a very very good game. So we're going to get into that a little bit. So Nate, you know what what are your impressions of the Browns though? After four games, are they what you expected? Are are they overachieving? What what's your assessment of of the Browns? Well, let's start with the record. Yeah, I I had them at two and two at this point, so they're overachieving in my mind. And you know, they certainly here's my my thing. They certainly have the talent to to you know be a ten and six team. You know, um, I've said that before. I I believe that after watching the first quarter of the season, this team is is talented enough to to be a double digit win team. My trepidation and hesitation in putting them there in my season prediction was just the fact that they have a new coaching staff. And the thing we've talked about a million times, but it, it's something worth talking about all the time, it's that we're in a pandemic. And these coaches did not have a normal offseason with these players. They had a virtual offseason. They didn't have spring practices. They didn't have preseason games. It's a lot to, to ask of a new staff to make it all work on the fly. But Kevin Stefanski has done a really good job so far, I think. I mean, especially, Dan, when you look at the way the season started, they go to Baltimore, they get their doors blown off 38-6. to six. They, they looked as bad as they could look, basically. And for them to come back, they beat a bad Bengals team. They beat a pretty bad Washington team. And then Dallas, I mean, Dallas can put up a bunch of points. I know the the, the record's not good. Um, but, you know, I didn't have them winning in Dallas. They exceeded my expectations there because I said on the previous podcast that we, we recorded that I just didn't know if they were ready to come off a game against Washington in which the offense slept for almost the entire third quarter and had plenty of struggles in the first quarter. 
and then going to Arlington, Texas, going to Jerry World and and light it up the way I thought they would have to light it up to beat this team with Dak Prescott and all those receivers and, and the scoring uh, firepower that, that the Cowboys had. Well, I, the the Browns insisted all week leading up to that game that, that they could score and win in a shootout, and they were right, and they proved it. So I got to give him a ton of credit. I got to give Kevin Stefanski a ton of credit. He does not look like the typical Browns coach who's overwhelmed by juggling the game management responsibilities of head coach and the play calling duties of an offensive coordinator. We've seen so many guys try to handle both and just look lost. Now, not every call is great. There's going to be some head scratchers here and there, but I mean, overall, I think he's done a great job so far and his personality, I think, has just kind of uh, been exactly what the Browns need in this type of uh, unprecedented season, really, with all the craziness going on, the adversity. Uh, you know, he's just a, a, a really calm, organized, composed leader. And I think it's rubbed off on the team. So overall, exceeded my expectations. Really excited for Sunday against another three and one team in the Colts and a team that's the number one defense overall, number one against the run, number one against the pass, um, number one in points, uh, uh, fewest points allowed per game. And so it's really going to be uh, a classic um, kind of a strength on strength matchup. If you look the way the Browns offense has been playing, especially coming out of that game against the Cowboys and now going against his defense. Yeah. If, if this past game against the Cowboys was the, the big Texas shootout, this game is just going to be a, a slug fest. I wouldn't be surprised if there were half as many points in this game, but we'll, we'll chat about that here more shortly. But in, in regards to the Browns, at the quarter point, Nate, is Bill Callahan the best move, hiring him as the offensive line coach, the best move this franchise made this offseason? Because I, I know Stefanski's been great. I know some of the players have been really, really good, starting with Miles Garrett. But the, the way the offensive line has completely done a 180 after last season is, is remarkable. And I credit a lot of that to Bill Callahan, who is – regarded as one of the best line coaches in the NFL. How, how key has he been in this good start for the Browns? I think he's been a huge factor. His lines are traditionally good, and he comes in here and, and you know, again, dealing with the circumstances that I talked about earlier, like all the coaches, and he's just been able to get these guys to work well as a unit and to pick up the zone blocking scheme well. Jack Conklin looks like he's worth the investment uh, as a free agent. Uh, Wyatt Teller at, at, at right guard next to the right tackle Conklin uh, looks like a, a Pro Bowl caliber guard all of a sudden. J.C. Treader had that surgery exactly one month before the season opener. Hasn't missed a snap. Looks like usual dependable J.C. Treader at center. Joel Batonio is looking like Joel Batonio at left guard, Pro Bowl caliber, and at left tackle, we're not talking a lot about Jedrick Wills, which means he's probably doing a pretty good job <laughs> as a 10th overall pick. That's how 
you know, it goes with offensive linemen. If you're not talking about them, that means they're not getting beat a lot. They're not screwing up. Yeah, he had a couple false starts against Washington. Got beat some against a really good defensive line in Washington. But for the most part, he's more than held his own. Again, you know, I, I don't know if I actually said it on this podcast, but talked to Joe Thomas heading into that Washington game, and he said that Wills looks like a veteran starter. Um, what a compliment for a guy who – you know, did not have a normal off season coming in as a rookie and then switched positions, had been a right tackle in high school and at the University of Alabama, made that transition in these crazy times and under these unprecedented circumstances. And I think you got to give Bill Callahan a lot of credit, in addition to giving the kid a lot of credit for what he's been able to do and the young man, Jedrick Wills. So, yeah, Callahan's been huge. I mean, he's been huge. The, the Browns are the number one rushing team in the NFL right now. Now, will they be able to keep it up without the Pro Bowl starter, Nick Chubb, out of the lineup for a while with a MCL injury? We'll see. But uh, we all know, and anybody listening to this, we all know that the Browns have an embarrassment of riches in the backfield and to be able to plug Kareem Hunt in as your new featured back is just not really fair to the rest of the NFL. So, <laughs> you know, I, I could see Kareem Hunt just taking full advantage of this, the, the increased workload he's going to get. And um, the running game's still looking pretty good, even though Nick Chubb is Nick Chubb and, and losing him is going to hurt to some extent. Yeah, I kind of feel like a little bit, well, Nick Chubb, I would argue, has been the best player on the Browns over the last two seasons. If there is a player you can afford to lose, it's him. And not from the Kareem Hunt vantage point only either, but just the the way the offense is set up and the, the way they're running the ball, the, the, the plays they're calling, how Teller is getting out on the move. And I, by the way, I, I did not know he had that in his game, how good he is at it. But, you know, I'm not – it sucks that Nick Chubb is out, obviously, but I'm not overly concerned about him missing time because you have Hunt. But I think this offense can scheme running backs into success. I mean, Dearness Johnson, who will probably be the backup now for the foreseeable future, he, he had some nice plays. And I think yeah. – the, the offense kind of fits into what he does. I mean, they're not just an outside zone system. They they do that obviously, but like the counters and the the traps and stuff like that. It's it's an impressive running offense. But with with Chubb Nate, obviously he is great, and losing him is is awful. What do you have any guess on the expectation for how long he will be out? Yeah, you know, the national uh, report from NFL Network was six weeks, uh, roughly six weeks, and Kevin Stefanski was on a, on Zoom with the local uh, beat writers yesterday when this was all going down, and he was asked about the six-week report, and he said he didn't know um, because he knows how hard Nick Chubb works, so he didn't want to put a number on it. And so the implication was that, the Browns think there's a chance that the Nick Chubb can come back before then. Uh, so I look at this schedule. I look at 
six weeks from from Sunday, from this past Sunday, would be uh, November 15th when the Browns play the Texans. That would be coming off the bye. So, you know, let's say he exceeds expectations for a timetable uh, for a traditional uh, MCL injury that he's dealing with. You know, is there a chance he can make it back after missing these next four games and then getting the bye and then coming back against the Texans? I've got to think that that's what Kevin Stefanski is looking at. You know, yeah. if, if not, then, you know, it, it, I don't think it's the end of the world that, you know, he misses five games in the bye. I mean, I think that would be a pretty good scenario, too, considering the injury. I mean, when, here's the thing, you know. I kind of have a feel for, for some of these knee injuries just from going through an ACL myself. And when I saw that, I said, okay. And I te- texted with uh, a friend about this, and my my initial take was that's either an ACL or an MCL, and, and there's a huge difference. <laughs> <laughs> so the Browns got kind of the best-case scenario for the type of uh, hit that Nick Chubb took when he got rolled up on and the way his his leg uh, you know the way we saw his leg bend in an unnatural way I'm not a doctor but I mean I've seen enough ACL shots to know that that had to have been a concern and, and Kevin Stefanski said it was indeed a relief that it wasn't that so you know I think that's really good that um, the Browns have that buy there and I, I think that would be you know, a really uh, nice um, comeback if he were able to do it that way. Get these four games, uh, you know, out of the way in terms of you know him being able to just rehab that whole time, have that buy, and then and maybe make it back after that. So, I think that's kind of the time frame we're looking at. Yeah, I I agree with that completely. I think the only thing that might change that beyond Nick Chubb being a, a superhero would be if the Browns happen to go on quite a, a poor streak here over the next three games. And then they have the, the game against the Raiders at home on November 1st. I mean, basically the, the way the rest of the schedule plays out beyond the, the division games that we are, we know are going to be important games like, this week against Indianapolis, November 1st against the Raiders, December 6th at the Tennessee Titans. The, these are the three teams really, I don't remember if we talked about this on the podcast or not, but those are kind of the three teams that the Browns are probably going to be neck and neck with throughout the year, this this kind of upper middle part of the AFC where it's not Baltimore or, you know, Kansas City, but it's the the next yeah. group down. The Browns are right in there with with those kind of teams, I think. So, I totally agree. Yeah, we talked about this. Uh, I don't think we were recording, but yeah, the the idea that they've got some some real heavy, uh, what look to be heavy wild card contenders on their schedule. They win those matchups. That's huge. Right. So you know, if the Browns really struggle in the next few weeks, I, I do wonder if they'll try and fast track Nick Chubb. If not, I, I think you're right on thinking he'll be back for the 15th, but whether or not they can, can make it without him starts on Sunday, of course, against the Colts. Like I said at the top, they're another three and one team. 
the, the Colts are are really good. I mean, especially on defense. They're like you mentioned, they're the best defense in the NFL. And DeForest Buckner, who they acquired for a first round pick this offseason from the 49ers, has been dominant in every every play I've seen him in this season. He's been exactly what they wanted to get out of him at defensive tackle. He's been great. Darius Leonard, their linebacker, is is really good, but he got banged up last week, so we'll see. You know, later on in the week where he's at, we're we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, so we don't know exactly, you know, some injury stuff. But if he's healthy, he's he's really good, and their their defense in general is just great. Obviously, they have Philip Rivers now on offense. They have some some. They have maybe the best offensive line in the NFL. I know some people think that's the Browns now already. I still think it might be the Colts. They're they're very good up front. So, Nate, if you had to pick one key for this game, what are you looking at? Well, it's interesting because I think the Browns have been successful to a large extent because they've been so good in turnover differential. The defense has issues. You know, I went on about overachieving big picture wise and under Kevin Stefanski, things look good. And the offense is, you know, coming off a game in which it caught fire and all those things are true. But the defense is problematic in the ways we thought it would be linebacker and safety. We've talked about it many times. Miles Garrett is taking that next step. He looks more and more like a defensive player of the year as he continues to get these strip sacks every week. Uh, so that's good, but yeah, I mean, the Browns, like you said, are giving up by a half-point average more uh, in scoring than, than they're putting on the board, 31.5 to 31. So the the great thing they've got going for them, though, is the plus-six turnover, turnover differential, first in the league. The problem is the Colts are plus-four. <laughs> they're fifth in the league, so they're really right. good at this, too. Um, they have an opportunistic defense, uh, in addition to being really good in all these categories we mentioned earlier, like, you know, 14 points allowed per game, top in the league. These guys have seven interceptions. So I'm looking at the last couple of games, Baker Mayfield, after having eight consecutive games dating to last season with at least one interception in each of those games. He hasn't thrown an interception in the past two games. Now, he gets an assist from Odell Beckham Jr. in the Washington game. He broke a (laughs) a would-be interception up. But Baker, I think, took a step in Dallas uh, or in Arlington, Texas, I should say, against Dallas. He had a clean game. And for all the passing yards that Dak Prescott put up, and he put up a lot, he got strip-sacked by Miles Garrett, and he threw an interception – you know, at the at the end with a 136 left, Denzel Ward picked him off to seal the Browns win. So the Browns won the turnover battle again, three to nothing. And it's huge. So, I mean, I know you can go on and on about turnover battle and, and always list that as a key. But for two teams that do it well and for the quarterback that the Browns have in Baker Mayfield, who has seemingly turned the corner here in the last couple of weeks in, in that uh, facet of the game, and it's a huge, vital, crucial one. I'm looking at this matchup again. I'm looking at seven interceptions. 
by the Colts. I'm looking at TJ Carey, former Browns nickelback, coming back to Cleveland after he gets cut by the Browns with two interceptions under his belt. You know, he's not Darrell Revis, but this guy's a good player, you know, and sometimes when guys play former teams, we've seen it happen before in First Energy Stadium, they show out. So I'm looking at that. I'm looking at that matchup, and I'm looking at Baker. I'm looking at the Colts' D. I'm keeping an eye on turnovers. Yeah, those are all very good stuff. I, I guess if I had to throw anything else on there, it would be, Stuff like, you know, Mac Wilson. Is there going to be more of him? Is there going to be more Jacob Phillips? And at, at what point, again, to to beat down our, our usual talking point, Ronnie Harrison, baby, where is he at? He had 11 snaps last week, which more than doubled his, his number from previous weeks. But... Um, Watching Andrew Sandejo in coverage is is rough, and uh, you, you would hope at some point Harrison can can take some of that away from him. I mean, Sandejo showed he's he's pretty good coming down and playing the run, but he he's been beaten a lot in in coverage, and it's discouraging. So we'll see. I I don't know. It, to me, Nate, this game is a toss up. I don't want to make a a pick right now you guys will have those in the paper later this week yeah i'm not ready i really yeah. not. i want to i want to try to it's hard because we're not in the locker room right now because of the pandemic but you can kind of get a vibe to the team under normal circumstances mm. um you know i i think they're they're definitely confident you know and and they got to be feeling good so they get they got so many guys involved. Odell Beckham Jr. with his, his best game by far as a member of the Browns, uh, with three touchdowns against the Cowboys, and I think they're going to be really confident. But you know, you never know on Wednesday what kind of injury news could pop up. You know, stuff could happen in the game that that doesn't really pop up until they get back on the practice field. So I'm not ready because I think it's really, I think it's a it's a close call, and uh, I think the Colts are favored by two. That sounds uh, right. Um, so I, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I I think it's a complete toss up game. I, I think it can go either way, and I think it's going to be close. So I I just don't think it'll be a forty nine to thirty eight type of game like we saw from the Browns last week. And if it is, we we might spend the whole next podcast talking about the defense and and what the hell's going on there. So. We'll leave that for now. But, Nate, do you have anything else this week before we get out of here? I don't think so, other than you did inspire me to talk to Ronnie Harrison. I, I got him yes. last week's story and um, talked to him and, and and asked Joe Woods, uh, you know, what does he have to do to get on the field more? So, like you said, the, the snap count reached double digits for the first time, but – Man, you know, he had an interception go through his hands, and I, I, I can't, I couldn't help but think if he pulls that down, <laughs> does that open the coach's eyes enough to to put him out there more moving forward? Because of the, you know, the game that Sandeo had in Baltimore, and then the game he had in Jerry World, like you said, rough. I mean, 
I don't want to say that nothing could happen with him. He did force a fumble, but, you know, in coverage, it it's just there are times where it's brutal. So, you know, I, I think that what they, they, they like in Sandejo is that he knows the defense inside and out. I've said this before. He's like a coach on the field, but obviously, uh, you know, you got to make the play. And I think if Ronnie Harrison can gain the trust of the coaching staff that he knows the verbiage, knows the calls, knows the defense, then he's a guy who, who physically has a much better chance to make the play. So, but he's got to do those other things to, to really earn a consistent role. And if you read the quotes that he gave me when we were in our interview and what Joe Wood said, that's, that's essentially it. So this is a continuation of, a, of what we talked about last week, Dan, but my conclusion is that, you know, he's just like, he told me he's still trying to earn the trust of the coaching staff. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I just want to see more. That's all. And we'll we'll see what happens on Sunday. Again, the Browns play the Colts in Cleveland. It's at 4:25, so it's a it's an afternoon, later afternoon game for Week Five. So you can find all of the coverage though of the game. You can find the very good Ronnie Harrison story. You can find a very good Q and A with Kaderil Hodge over at BeaconJournal.com/sports/Browns. It's a lot of good stuff coming out from our crew this season. So. You can find all of that there. But for now, that's going to do it for Cover 2. Follow Nate on Twitter. He's at ByNateAlrich. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time.